So I just want to, I just want to take a second to, to celebrate. One, I, I, I love our church. Like, I just do. I love our church. I love our people. I love what God's doing here. And, and I'm, not, I'm not being dumb. Like, there, there, there are so many good things going on just about all the time that if we took every week to celebrate them publicly and, like, share them, we do the best that we can, like, we would just be clapping just all the time. Like, that's just how God's moving here. And uh, there's just a couple really cool things going on. One, uh, like a thousand of our women are gone to the retreat this year. <laughs> Two years ago, Terry Broom, our, our women's director, she came and she said, hey, I don't want to do a conference this year um, because she said, I just don't like them. I'm like, I don't like them either. She goes, I want to do a retreat though. I want to be able to get away for a few days and just get in the mountains or something and worship. And, and she said, you know, I don't think it'll affect Sundays much because I only think 15 people will come. And I was like, dumbest thing you've ever said. It was like, 80 plus the first year, last year when they went. And this year, there's like just well over 100 women just going together for three days up in the mountains for the sole purpose of just seeking the Lord and, and hearing His Word preached and praying and worshiping. And that's just a powerful thing uh, just, just, to, just to be a part of. And um, this, and then today, like, and I, I, I need you to understand, this is, to me, this is just one of my favorite things on the planet. Today's student takeover day. All these students, like, when you were still asleep, buzzing your alarm clock before the sun came up, there were teenagers. The same teenagers that you can't just get up out of bed in general or here before the crack of dawn this morning setting up so that they could serve and get ready. Is that not just an awesome thing? Come on. And what's cool is a few years back when we did the first student takeover, what's cool is we did the first student takeover, a lot of them came to serve on student takeover and they just kept serving. We've got, we've got tons, I mean hundreds of volunteers and a huge portion of them are our teenagers. And I think Taylor said it and I think this is just the mentality of our church. Everybody talks about, you know, you know how to pour into students because they're the church of tomorrow and we're like, no man, they're the church of today. Right now we give them responsibility and opportunity and they just show up. It's just an incredible thing. And if you see Pastor John or Jen, our student leaders, dude, they give so much to these students, man. They give so much of their time, their effort, and their energy uh, to this house, to this purpose, to this move of God. And if you see them out there today, and if you've never met them or you've never hugged them, I want you to find them. And John, he's dressed a lot like I'm dressed right now, uh, but his biceps are about twice as big as mine. All right, so just find him and hug them because they just, they give so much to this house. And our Wednesday nights have started back. Now listen, if you, have you, if you started coming over the summer um, and you don't know about our Wednesday nights, our Wednesday nights we, we do in the fall and in the spring, uh, they're just a powerful thing. Uh, hundreds of us come through in the middle of the week. We get here, we have women's ministry, uh, and, and Terry leads that, and we have men's ministry, and Pastor Cliff leads that. If you have not, dude, have you, heard, have you heard Brother Cliff preach, like, or teach? He is just absolutely phenomenal. And every Wednesday, uh, he meets with all the men. We get in there and we have ministry and our students and everything and our kids. And we just launched a pre-teen ministry for the first time this past week. Uh, they were expecting like 20 and they had like 50 pre-teens come out uh, and get involved. So that, dude, you can keep clapping, dude. I'm a, I'm a clapping church. I want to celebrate. Because I, I don't get to just say all this stuff every week. And so I just, dude, I mean, we were sitting out there. We ran out of T-shirts. They were just, we had to go get more chairs. Like, it was just, it was awesome to see what God is doing. And they're just so, there's so many good things. And then one of my favorite things is this Friday, uh, we're releasing Victory, a song we just worship together with. And this is a special song. And um, God is just open. We, what our heart is, if you don't know this about us, our heart is we just want to, we just want to, whatever God gives us, Whatever messages God gives us, whatever songs God gives us, whatever Bible studies God gives us, whatever books God gives us, whatever ideas or whatever God gives us to this house, we want to push it out to the culture. 
then we want the culture to be able to get it and to see it. We want to add value to people's lives. And so every time that God gives us something, we want to put it out there. And this Friday, we're releasing the song Victory. And I would encourage you to go download it, share it on social media, um, and just get it out there because you just never know what God's doing. You know, does that make sense? Like you never know. You never know when you share a sermon clip. You never know when you download a song and give it to a friend or buy the album and give it to a friend or give, you know, Terry's books or something. You never know what God's going to do with that. And so I just encourage you, be a part of what's happening. Don't just watch it. Does that make sense? Dude, that felt good, dude. I was just, I was like, I was like, man, there's just, I was like, I can't not take a few minutes to just talk about all the crazy, awesome stuff that's happening. So I just want to thank God for that. It's just a powerful thing. Yeah. Now to the message. So listen, I, I was sick last week, okay? Uh, I blacked out a little bit while I was preaching. Not, the power of God was here. I just didn't feel it because I was drugged up. But I'm, I'm been set. That was not, you know what I mean, you know, over the counter. And, <laughs> and I have just been pent up, ready to preach. So I just about exploded in the first service, and I'm, I'm ready to preach. We're in the middle of our series called Faith. Okay, now, now this whole series, originally, what the Lord put in my heart, I wanted to talk about living out of faith, living by faith, actually living day-to-day, practically by faith. And, and when I really, we came to start it, came to start the series, I just felt God put a real pause on my heart and slow down for a week or two and really talk about faith because I felt like so many people have a misunderstanding of what faith is. And so we just had to take a few weeks to talk about it. And this is what we know about faith. Now, we know that faith is never, ever, 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 ever believing for something. Faith is always believing someone, always. And that faith always begins, this is what it says in Romans, it says that when that, that Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel because within the gospel is the power to save. And what saves us is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that righteousness is revealed to us. This is what it says. It says out of faith or by faith, and then it saves us to faith. It's a concept. It says out of faith comes the righteousness. Out of faith comes the power. Out of faith, by faith, comes salvation. But then it saves us to faith. And it says, God said in the Old Testament that the righteous will live by faith or will live out of faith. And so we have to understand that, that, that faith is not just a part of our salvation, that faith is not just a part or just a part of the beginning of our relationship with Jesus, that, that faith, once we give our hearts to Christ and we begin to follow Jesus, that living out of faith or living by faith, that's the, that's the new lifestyle. As we follow Jesus, that it takes faith. And we know that faith always, always, always begins with hearing and believing God. Hearing and believing God, hearing the words of God, the words of Jesus, those scriptures that have been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the words that originated in the mind of God, the words that come from heaven. When we hear the words or we read the words, the knowledge and the ideas and the concepts and the wisdom and the not, and when we hear the gospel, the fullness of the words of Jesus Christ and God the Father, when we hear those words and we believe them, that's where faith begins, always. And living out of faith or living by faith is the exact same thing. Living out of faith, living by faith, it is still hearing the words of God and believing them and then living according to that belief. And if I were to take a poll this morning, I would have asked you, if I were to, I would have said, okay, listen, guys, as everybody, do you, do you, do you live out of faith? 
Do you live by faith? Do you hear and read and take in the words of God, the words of Jesus, and you believe those things and then you live according to them? If I were to ask everybody that, 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 that goes to church, everybody that proclaims Christ as their Savior, everybody that says that they believe in Jesus, everybody that says they follow Jesus, everybody that goes to church regularly, everybody that, that declares themselves or labels themselves as Christian, almost every single person I would ask, do you hear and you believe the words of God and then live according to that? Because that's what faith is. Do you, do you do that? Almost everybody in those categories would say, yes, I do. And I think that they believe it. I think that, that we believe that on some philosophical level on Sunday morning, we believe that reality that I hear and that I believe and that I live according to that. Like on Sundays when we're asked that and we believe it, we're not lying. All right? we, we really believe that. But the reality of it is is that when we, 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 we believe this or say this in a philosophical sense on Sunday, when we wake up on Monday and we begin to live our life day to day in an actual practical way, we live like we don't hear and believe the words of God. And when I talk about practical day to day, I just I want you to understand, I'm talking about like when you wake up in the morning and you, and you drink coffee or whatever form of caffeine that, that you intake or you go run like healthy people or whatever, and like and you, you eat breakfast and you do your thing and you, you, know, you, you get the kids up or you go to your job, your career, your business, or, or you, you get the house ready, you, you wake the kids up, take them to school and, and do your thing, or you go to school, or you go to college or whatever it is that you, you're doing, whatever season of life we're in right now, and you, you, you know, do that throughout the day and you go work out or you, you go play golf off or you go knit or whatever it is that you do, whatever thing, hobby you have, and you come home and you have dinner with the family and you do some stuff and Netflix and chill and then go to bed and wake up and do it all over again. That's the life I'm talking about. Like the practical life, like the day-to-day -day life, like the minute-to-minute -minute life that we live. Do we live by faith? Do we live out of faith in that? Although most of us would say we do, the reality of it is day-to-day -day we, we don't. And Jesus understood how important it was, how, how, how epically paramount it was that we learn to live by faith and learn to live out of faith. He made a promise to the people after Peter proclaimed that he was the son of the living God, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Savior, that he was the creator God, the, the, the king of kings, the Lord. After he professed this, Jesus made a promise. He said, I want you to know that I'm going to build a church. I'm going to build an ecclesia. That's the word. It means a gathering. It's not a building. He says, it's a gathering of people that come together in the name of, uh, of me, in the name of Jesus, in this reality that I am Jesus, that I am the Savior, that I am the anointed one, that I am the king. I'm going to build a gathering, a group of people that are going to come together. It's going to be a movement. It's going to be a revolution. And it's going to grow so fast. And it's going to be so strong that not even the gates of hell itself could prevail against it. And us being here this morning, gathering together today in the name of Jesus, proves that Jesus' promise has come true. The movement is just as much alive today as it was then. All right, you have to understand that. But Jesus understood that there were a few things that we needed. You ever wonder why Jesus came and he spent three years instead of just three days? Well, I came not just to say, hey, listen, this is the reality of God. I'm going to go die for your sins and save humanity and then go to heaven and we're going to start this thing. He spent three years. Why? Because he had to get that gathering. He had to get that group. He had to get that core. And he had to teach them. He had to show them how to walk through and live this life out of faith and by faith. 
And so all through the three years as he gets the disciples together and Peter and, and James and John and all the disciples and over and over and over again, he's teaching them how to live by faith. He's teaching them how to live out of faith. He's teaching them what it is to live in the kingdom of God. He's teaching them what it is to operate in the kingdom of God and not in this humanistic mindset. And, and he, he's showing them over and over and over again. And, and, and there's this label that he has. About four or five times he lives this label and he calls them, oh, you of little faith. And he begins to separate the reality of what it is to live out of faith and what it is to reject living out of faith and live out of our flesh. And so there's a couple of these places where I'm going to look at. I want to start. I'm going to get deep and I want to show us that God actually makes it very clear. He, he paints a very clear paradigm for what it is to actually live out of faith and live by faith. And, and we're going to get into this. It's in Matthew 6.25 is a scripture we're going to start with. And I want you to understand something as we go through this. We are going to describe a lifestyle that 99% of the people in this room live. And when we start reading these scriptures, you're going to think immediately that this is about one thing, but it's not really about the one thing that you think that it's about. That he's using this one thing to drive to a point is a very well-known scripture. Ultimately, he's coming to teach us what it is to live for him and to live out of faith, the paradigm that we should live this life. And I want you to listen with an open heart and listen with an open mind and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you and to bring conviction into your life and to show you the path that we should be on. All right, this is Matthew 6.25. Therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus talking. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Now, anxiousness, worry, anxiety, this is one of those words that uh, it, it means different things in different minds. If I were to lay out and say, like, what does anxiety mean to you? We would have 155,000 different answers. What does worry mean to you? What, what does this word right here that Jesus is saying, what does it mean? And I want you to understand that, 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 that we, we have a conception of it, but most of the time, the way that we, we describe it, the way that we define it, it, it's wrong in the way of its true meaning. A lot of times we'll make anxiousness and stress synonymous. They're not. They're very close connected, but they are two totally different things. And I'm going to explain this because Jesus is talking about a lifestyle right here. And when he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious He's creating the idea and a concept of a lifestyle that people live. And I'm going to explain to you what anxiousness really means. The, the true word. It literally just means that word that we translate into worry. Sometimes we translate it into anxiousness, anxiousness or into anxiety. That word literally just means divided into parts. That's all it means. Divided into parts. Now, I'm going to explain something to you because I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about to show you what it means. That's why I love the Greek language. I love the Hebrew because it paints word pictures so that we can get it. It means divided into parts. Let me, let me show you what it means. It means that, that you, you wake up tomorrow morning and, and you've got a bunch of bills and you open them up. And you're like, this is the amount of money that I owe in 30 days at the end of the month. And then you go and you look into your bank account and you do some quick math. And you don't have the money you need to pay all the bills at the end of the month. And now you've got to figure out how you're going to get all the bills paid. And so you, you start taking on that concern. You know, maybe I can work extra hours or maybe I can, you know, uh, do a yard sale or maybe I can sell. Maybe I've got, I got to figure out a way to make sure I get all the bills paid at the end of the month. So you put your focus and you put your attention and you put your energy and you put your mind, your will, you put your emotions, you put, you put the fullness of who you are into being able to solve that problem in your life. 
And that's just why you're drinking coffee in the morning. And then your wife comes in and she, out of love, lays down a Satan's to-do list. Cut the grass, take out the trash, clean the floors, clean the floors, Cinderella. No, like all this, this stuff. And you're sitting here like, I just, okay, I mean, I, I'll try to figure out how to get this done. Um, and so you start thinking, well, maybe I, can, maybe I can just get somebody to come, you know, cut the grass. Well, I can't really pay because I don't have this. And so then now you, you, you divide your attention and your focus and your will and your mind and your emotions and your energy. And, and now you got to make sure you get the pill, bills paid at the end of the month and figure out how to get all the stuff, the to-do list at the house going. And so you, you take off and you drop your kids off at school and then you head to work. And then uh, your boss walks in and he's dressed uh, like a 50s golfer. And he hands you a to-do list that 30 minutes earlier was his to-do list. Uh, but now he's going to go play golf. So it's become your to-do list. And so he sets it down in front of you. This is why you hate him in Christ. But he sets it down in front of you of you and you think to yourself, there's, there's, there's no way I, I have this thing here. There's no way I can get all this done. How am I going to be able to get all this done today and this week? Um, and he just smiles and walks off um, and you contemplate how to murder him, but you don't share that with anybody because you would go to prison, but you do have the thought. And so you just, you just sit there and you're like, how am I going to get all this done? And you already made a promise uh, to your son or to your daughter or to your family that you would you'd be at the sporting event or you would be at the thing uh, that you're supposed to do tonight. And now you just don't know how you're not going to be able to do it. So now your attention is going, okay, how do I get get all this stuff done? How do I get these reports made? And, and now your attention, your focus, your mind, your will, and emotions, it divides again into this, and then it's starting to divide, and how am I going to, how am I going to get to that? And you, you start going through the day, and, and, you, and you just, you start thinking about the conversation you had with your wife, or the conversation you had with your husband, and you just know in your heart that things just aren't right right now, that you're just, you're just arguing a lot, and it doesn't, you don't really hate each other, but it just seems like you don't really love each other, and you got to figure out what's going on with them, you got to figure out what's going on with her, and you just, you just, I got to fix this thing. Maybe we need to have a conversation. Maybe we need to have a vacation. Maybe we just need to start over. Maybe we just need to do something. Something's just going on and you just, and you start just going through life. And you know, all of a sudden you've got all these, these things in your life that you have to do in your attention and your mind and your will and your emotions and your heart and your thoughts and the fullness of who you are. It's just divided because you've taken on all these concerns and all these problems that you've got to solve, that you've got to take care of, that you've got to pay the bills and you've got to make sure retirement's taken care of. You've got to get the kids going through college and you've got you to make sure you get all the stuff done for your jerk boss so you don't lose your job and, and you're just trying to figure out all this stuff and live up to all the needs and live up to all the, just the wants and the problems in life. And, and that right there, that is a living an anxious life. Because you're, you're divided apart. You're divided into pieces. You're divided into part. Your mind, your will, your emotions, your focus, your attention, your energy, everything is divided in a, in a bunch of different ways. That's anxiousness. Now that's not stress yet. Because everybody has different capacities. There's low capacity people and there's high capacity people. And, and it's not better or worse or, or good or bad. It's just that we're different. And some people can, they're low capacity. And so they can be divided uh, a certain amount and, and not have any pressure or stress and be able to get it all done. And there's some people that, that, that can do a whole bunch of stuff uh, that would crush other people. But the reality of it is that everybody has a capacity. And you will divide yourself to the point that you will reach that capacity. When you reach that capacity, you get to a place to where you don't have all the answers. You're not able to make it to all the games. You're not able to make all the promises. You're not, you're not able to get all the things done. You're not able to get all your work done. You're not able to pay all the bills. You don't know how it's going to happen. And when you get to that place where you, you have all these things and you're divided into so many different pieces and you, you, you realize that you don't have the answer and time is running out, now a pressure shows up in your life. That's stress. 
because I don't know how I'm going to get it done. I'm, I don't, I've reached my capacity. I can't accomplish the things. I don't know what I'm doing. And now that's when the, the physical and mental and emotional toll rests in our life. That's what stress is. See, they're connected, but they're two different things. You can, you can be living anxiously and not be stressed. Right, this is the lifestyle that Jesus is talking about. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but that's you. And that's been most of us, most of our lives. And he's beginning to lay a paradigm, a very different way of life. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life or what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body. What you'll put on is not life more than food in the body, more than clothing. Then he starts to reason with us, with our, with our human, humanistic minds, our prideful minds, our, our arrogant minds, our American mentality minds, our, our modern religious minds. He's starting to reason with us. And he goes, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So it, it sounds simple. It sounds like he's talking to a kindergartner. That's usually how God should communicate with us. But he's like, hey, guys, hey, shh, calm down. See the little birdies flying around over there? They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't store in the barns. They don't work. They're not as good as you or as strong as you. They're not as smart as you or everything. I mean, they, they, they can't really do it. But God loves them so much, he feeds them every day anyway. He makes sure the worms and the mice show up to get eaten so he can take care of the birds. Apparently, he doesn't love the, bird, I mean, the mice and the rats. And he goes, but aren't you so much more valuable to him than, than the birds are? You ever just stop and think about that? God will provide. He'll take care of the birds. But we, we think in our heart and our mind, really... He's not going to provide for me. He moves on. He says, and, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Now, I want you to think about this one for a second. I want you, I want you to hang with me because this, this could change your life a little bit. He said, what, dividing your focus... Dividing your attention, dividing, taking on the concerns, taking on the, the emotional concerns, the, the, the physical concerns, the spiritual, the mental, the taking on the concerns of life, paying the bills and, 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 and cutting the grass and, and doing all this stuff. And he goes, if you were to live your life like that every day and you were to take everything, he goes, how are you actually going to add any real value to your life? He said, it, it, none of it. No matter how, how good it goes or how bad it goes, none of it is actually going to add a single hour to your life. And I want you to think about what he's really saying. What he's saying is like, he's saying like, no matter what you do today, there'll be more to do tomorrow. You'll never get done doing and then you will die because all of the doing that you do in life will not add a single hour to your day. So you will do and do and do, and then you'll die. He's saying like, have you ever gone out, guys, listen to me, have you ever gone out and cut your grass and it never grew back? <laughs> if there is any technology or anything that shows up like that, please, for all that is holy, let me know about it. <laughs> have you ever paid your phone bill and get a letter from Verizon going, that's all we need. <laughs> Keep it. You ever taken the trash out and it never filled back up? <laughs> Have you ever done the wife's to-do list? And she goes, oh, thanks, honey, that's it. 
The truth is, you've never finished the to-do list because before you get to the end of it, she's already secretly in the middle of the night extended it. <laughs> you ever pay your, your car bill, your car payment, and then they show up at your front door with a deed? Here you go. This is it. You feeling me? You ever, you ever walk into your boss's office and go, hey, I, I did all the to-do list. And he goes... Great job. See you next year, man. That's it. You did it. You guys, you guys, you ever thought about it like that? I mean, I'm never going to come up here and I, I'm never going to uh, come up here and preach a message and the whole world get saved and God go, hey, you did it. It's what we've been waiting 2,000 years for. I'm sinning. Jesus, let's go. Go get them. They all got saved. Billy Graham couldn't do it. I sure can't do it. This is life. I need you to hear me. It's funny, but it's also depressing, so let's keep laughing. <laughs> You're never going to be done until the grave takes you. And I'm, I'm about to help you. I'm about to help you. Even if you don't believe in God, you need to believe in God. But I'm about to help everybody in this room despite who you are. If you can just understand the reality of what Jesus is trying to teach you, you will always, no matter what you finish today, will wake up tomorrow and won't be done. And the only thing that will end that to-do list is death itself. And so Jesus is asking you a very real question. All you A-type personalities like me, all you drivers, all you people that's got to get, get done every day. I'm going to be the man. I'm going to take care of the family. I'm going to build. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take care of it. I'm the man. <laughs> we are wasting our life because we'll never do it all. We'll never accomplish everything. And no matter what we do, how good it is, how big it gets, no matter what we, how many bills we pay, there's always going to be more. No matter what we do, no matter how much money is in the bank, we will need more. No matter what we, this, this is life. And he says, so being at dividing your attention, this really super matters in just a minute. It, it matters so much. Dividing your attention. Remember, that's, that's anxiety. That's what it is. Divided into pieces. My focus, my attention, my energy, my emotions, my will. You divide yourself trying to accomplish all these things. And Jesus says, you will work your whole life trying to accomplish the basics of life. And at the end of it all, you'll never finish and then you'll die. And then he goes back to birds and lilies. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Listen, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? See, it's, it's not about anxiety. It's not, this isn't a stress message. It has jack to do with it, actually. What he's, he's trying to teach you is that you are living, just because you don't have a panic disorder doesn't mean you live your life anxiously. This is, a, this is a way of life. It's a paradigm that most of us, that's how we live most of our life. And he ultimately says, you're living this way 
Because you're not living out of faith and you're not living by faith, oh, you of little faith. Why? Because you don't actually believe that God will do the things that he said that he would do in your life. That stings. Take it in. You're in the South and church and fried chicken is just a part of life. And believing in God that's just a part of life. Even being a Christian, just a part of life. Some of you are genuinely and truly saved. Genuinely and truly following Jesus. And on Sundays, you mean it. But practicality, when you wake up on Monday and live your life, you live like you don't hear and believe the words of Jesus. Because you live divided. I got to pay the bills and I got to send them to college and I got to get retirement. I got to take care of this. I got to get it done. I got to get the strategy plan done. I got to get the report turned in. I got to study for the exam. I've got to get everything. I got all this stuff I got to do and I got to get it done so that I can, when I get it all done, I can just keep doing more. And I got to do it until I get old and I can't do it anymore. And I got to do it until finally one day I die. That's, that's your life plan, most of you. You don't think about it like that because it's, it, it will make us suicidal. If you ever just sit back and think, about what life really is. See, Jesus has a way of doing that. He's like a brain ninja. If you, I mean, it, it, I, you need to always sit down and meditate on some of the things that Jesus says, all the things that Jesus says. But sometimes I'm like, no, you're not ready for it, bro. Because if you really sit down and realize how much of your life that you've thrown away for nothingness, you may just end it. He gets in there and you think, oh, that was funny. Remember the message today that he talked about all that stuff? And then by Tuesday, you're like, do, do you remember the message on Tuesday? I can't even, what am I doing with my life? Jesus says, you're living like you don't believe. He goes on to say, therefore, do not be anxious. Don't be divided in your thoughts, your focus, your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions. Don't take on all the concerns around you. What you eat and what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles? Now, later Gentiles becomes a good thing. That's what we all are. But right now, this isn't a good thing. For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. This is what he's saying point blank. If the first statement of you, oh, you have little faith didn't make it clear, he, he makes it super clear now. And he says, listen, you are living your life the same exact way that the people who openly do not believe in me live their life. So you come in on Sunday and you are philosophically living out of faith. But when it comes to actually living out of faith, practically day to day, you are living just like those who openly say, I do not believe in God. And this is why this is so serious, because he, he, he's painting the paradigm that most of us live, but then he gets to this place in 633, and he creates this paradigm of what living in faith is and living out of faith is, and it's point blank, and it's a famous scripture, but, but you've got to understand the context of it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, you don't, I'm going to help you. We don't really get the full. We understand. I think we understand what it's saying, but we can't wrap our minds around how that works. 
Now you got to remember what anxiety, what, what it is. It's divided into pieces. It's divided into parts. It's taking on the concerns. What am I going to do? How am I going to get done? I got, I got to take care of this and I got to get the kids there and I, I got to go here and I got to do the job and I got to do the career and I got to build the business and I got to provide for the family and I got to put food on the table and I, I got I got, and, and the list goes on and on and on and on and, on and it never ends. And Jesus says, this is what Jesus says, stop. Don't divide your focus, your attention, your energy. Don't divide your will, your mind, your emotions. Don't divide yourself. Take all of it off. Take it all off the bills. Take it all off the house. Take it all off the job. Take it all off the career. Take it all off the marriage. Take it all off the kids. Take it all. Take it all and then put it all on me. Now listen, seek first the king and the kingdom and his righteousness, his right ways. Take on the concerns of the king. Take on the concerns of the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and the king. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first God. Seek first the spirit. Seek first the word of God. Seek first in prayer. Seek, seek first the concerns of God. Seek first align all of your focus, all of your attention, all of your power, all of your will, all of your emotions. Don't let it be divided out, but unite it all and zone it in and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then God said, and I will provide everything else that you need. Now, this is easy to understand, nearly impossible for the human person to live this out. Because this is what the paradigm of living out of faith is. The other way was, oh, you of little faith. Now, this is living out of faith. Don't let your mind be, don't worry about retirement. Don't take on the concern of that. Don't, don't take on the concern of your children. You don't really have a lot of control over them. I know you think you do, but you really don't. You can do your best and then it's still turning into little psychopaths. Don't take on the concern for your marriage and, and, and for your wife, for your husband, because you can't fix them. You're not that smart. You're not that good. You're not that strong. Don't take on the bills, the concern for the bills, because no matter if you can pull it off this month, it might not next month. And the biggest problem is, is that when you have all the money in the world to pay all the bills, you still got 50,000 other things your mind's on. More money, more problems. Isn't that the truth, though? God was complaining the other day. He's paying like $50,000 in taxes on his house every year. I'm like, good Lord, don't ever let me get that rich. It never ends. And he says, this is what faith is. Living out of faith is take, don't be divided. Take all of it, put it on me. You, you seek me as the king, as a good king, I'll provide everything else you need. I'll make sure all the bills get paid. I'll make sure you have exactly what you need when you need it. I'll make sure if you, you need words to speak, I'll put them in your mouth. You need wisdom, I'll give it to you. You need knowledge, I'll show it to you. You need a door open, I'll open it for you. You need me to close some doors, I'll close them for you. I will provide, 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 provide. If you put all your attention, all your seeking, all, your, all of who you are, you put it towards me, the king, I'll take care of the kids. I'll raise the kids. I'll make sure you get where you need to go. I'll show you, I'll grow you. I will make sure if you will seek me and follow me on the path. I will make sure you get where you need to go with what you need. I will take it all. You will be, have joy and peace and satisfaction and you will live a life most people envy. If you will just put all of your attention, all of your heart on seeking me, I will be God in your life and I'll provide all the other things that you need. 
But the problem is, is that we don't actually believe that because what we do is we step out of the paradigm of faith. And when you step out of the paradigm of faith, you say like, man, on Sunday, like I get it. I feel the presence of God and I hear the messages and I believe. But when I step out on Monday and I wake up, there's just something in me. I don't actually believe he'll provide for me. So I've got to do it myself. I've got to make sure I work the job. I've got to make sure I find the right career. I've got to make sure I get the right paycheck. I've got to make sure I, I do the right things. I've got to make sure I, I take on, I've got to get it. But you've stepped out of faith. Now you're completely divided. Eventually you hit a wall you can't do. It. And the only thing you have to depend on now is who? You. All you have is your flesh. All you have is you. And you don't know where to go. You don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know, you don't know nothing about nothing if you're real honest with yourself. You don't even know about the things you think you know about. But all you have is you. And it crushes the human heart and the human mind because what we're doing is God's saying, your responsibility is to seek me. With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. My responsibility is to be the God, the King, the Creator, and the Provider. That's why in the Old Testament, one of his names is literally God the Provider. He goes, that's my responsibility. That's my burden to carry. But when you step out of that paradigm of faith, you're not just inheriting the responsibility to be the provider, you're inheriting the weight. And there's not a human person on this planet or in history that can carry the weight that was supposed to go on the back of God. And this right here, this is the state where we make horrible decisions. This is the state where we dig holes we never get out of. This is the state right here where we make decisions that ruin our life. This is the state right here where we throw marriages away. This is the state right here where we end relationships with kids. This is the state right here where we wake up dead, regretting every moment we ever lived. Because you're trying to take on the weight of the world and you just can't do it. But he says, if you will seek me. And see, I'm telling you there's something. This is so difficult. If you will truly, not in a philosophical sense, in a real sense, in a practical sense, if you will go in like Jesus says, go into your room, close the door behind you and pray to your Father who is in secret, your Father who is in secret will reward you. The busiest weeks of my life, I spend the most time praying because I'll never get it all done if I don't. I'm gonna tell you real fast, I'm gonna tell you a little story about me. When I first, when we first started doing this thing years ago, five, six years ago, six years ago, I was taken, I, I, I was, I was foolish, prideful, immature, but I was genuinely saved and called to preach and, and lead this church. And so that's what I did the best I could. And, in, in, and on Sundays, I truly believed God is God and he'll provide it. But on Mondays, I was like, if I don't get this done, no one else will. If I don't get it, if I don't take care, if I don't plan right, if I don't get this, if I don't get that, if we don't get the building, if we don't expand the walls, if we don't get this, if we don't, I mean, the list goes on. And there was one particular Wednesday when I was hanging out with Mark Kell at the other end of the building, and I was just sitting there staring at the road thinking, 30, 30 seconds, if I just lay down 30 seconds, it'll all be over. Just lay down on the road. Not really. I wasn't really suicidal at all, but I was... I was about as close to a mental breakdown as you could get because I was trying to do it all. I was trying to take it all on. And it was in that season of my life where the Lord gave me this 
is power. And I changed the way I lived. I changed the way I lived personally. I changed the way I lived in the church. And I began to seek God first with everything, laying it down with Him. And I just trusted Him. And I knew He will provide. If there's a direction, He'll make it clear to us. I'm not taking one step on my own power. If He does not make it abundantly clear, we ain't going. I can't pay all the bills. The money will have to show up. He'll have to provide it. I'm not, and I just, we changed our whole mentality about how we live and how we run things and how we do things. And from that day forward, as God is my witness, every dollar we've ever needed showed up. Every expansion we ever needed, the walls just came down. People started coming out of the woodwork. We needed leaders and they just showed up. We needed people and they just showed up. We needed land and by God, out of a miracle, he just gives it to us. This is what God does in life. This is how God works. It's difficult to believe it. I know it is. I know it's difficult for us to wrap our minds around the reality of God. But you need to understand that God said, I want to be your king and you be my people. I'm going to be your God and I want you to be my people. If you will seek me like king, I will take care of you like a king. If you will seek me like your God, I will take care of you as a good God should. I will provide for you around every step of the way. If you will take all of your heart, all of your energy, all of your focus, and all of you, you are and you seek me with all of your heart I will make sure every single step you take is clear provided for protected and blessed this is what God says this is what it is to live out of faith it's to seek him first with all of your heart and let him worry about the things that he can worry about that you can't you guys will stand with